On the Skype line with us today is Dr. Peter Hammond, founder and director of Frontline Fellowship. And Peter, it is an honor to have you back with us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Peter, we've seen a lot in the news over the past couple of weeks since the October 7th attack in Israel. I'm sure you have many thoughts about it because you have lived in countries where there's severe persecution. You've ministered in those countries, um, and you've seen terrorists and their attacks. Uh, Give us a little perspective on on what you're thinking and what you've seen so far. Yes, I've spent 40 years being a missionary to the persecuted church, and so during that time I've been involved in eight wars and three revolutions, and I've met with quite a lot of terrorists, both Muslim and Marxist terrorists, and I understand something of their mindset and what's driving them. And so um, with all this going on, I've had a few people who I know who are um, in Israel who've communicated with me, coming under the rockets, and um, the stories I've heard of Christians being murdered and of neighbors and uh, some people involved in evangelism, witnesses being murdered, and also people who are Christians caught in the crossfire in, in Gaza. So I, I think I've got some insights, and we need to understand the signs of the times and understand the Word of God so we rightly understand the Word of God as we apply it to these areas of life. So I've been exposed to Marxist and Muslim terrorist groups. I've actually engaged in a discussion and debate and argument, including in mosques and terrorist bases, and even on the radio programs, I've been on Radio 786, which is a Muslim radio station in Cape Town, where they've actually got on their walls Hamas and PLO and Hamas and Hezbollah posters and all. They oh. wear the scarves and they've got the flags. And So from my observations, terrorists are motivated by fanatical hatred and intense rage and deep-seated anger, as well as the pragmatic prospect of attaining political power through terrorist tactics. Some terrorists are also motivated by greed and perceived opportunities for revenge and looting, and there's often a lust for power and frequently a lot of ignorance. They don't generally understand history very well, and they've got a very simplistic amount of catchphrases and slogans which guide their thinking, if you can use the word thinking, because it's almost like many of them are immune to logic when you try to discuss with them, how can you justify killing civilians? If you've got a problem with politicians, why not talk at this? politicians, why are you going off to civilians? And they have a very twisted form of thinking, but they justify it by a whole bunch of slogans instead of rational uh, concern. So I'll find many terrorists have quoted to me from the writings of Karl Marx and Vladimir Lenin, or from Mao Zedong, even Voltaire, Rousseau, Robespierre, for some kind of philosophical support for their violent tactics and their revolutionary aims. And the Muslims will quote from the Quran and from the Hadith of Muhammad, as the authoritative foundation and inspiration for jihad. Uh, I've also interacted with some Irish Republican advocates of terror, and I found that they had both Catholicism and communism mixed together in a deranged thinking to justify bombing of both military and civilian targets. In the case of IRA, crippling Catholic apostates or collaborators for what they call collaboration with the enemy, and the uh, signature of the IRA was kneecapping. Now, they would either shoot out the kneecaps or drill out the kneecaps uh, in order to cripple the uh, perceived Catholic apostates. So they didn't do this to the British or to the Protestants. They did to kneecapping. is particularly reserved for 
uh, their people, the Catholics who don't listen to the IRA or who dated a British soldier or an Irish uh, royal constabulary policeman or something like that, and that would be enough to have some poor Catholic girl crippled through knee capping. So you've got to understand the thinking behind these people uh, as to what inspires them. You can't defeat your enemy if you don't understand what motivates them. And uh, I look at this and I think uh, that it's so important that we ensure that terrorism is counterproductive. You've got to ensure that terrorism never pays because every time you compromise with a terrorist or negotiate with them or give in to their demands or pander to them or pander to their agenda, you greatly encourage the terrorist and you weaken your own position and you expose your country and your people to more and far worse attacks in the future. And that's why General Pinochet, when he took back Chile from the communists, he understood terrorism as armed propaganda. So he deprived the opponents, um, the terrorists, of publicity, put the military in charge of the media, and without media coverage, terrorism in Chile died like a fire deprived of oxygen. And in the Malayan emergency, which is an example of successful war against terrorism, the British and Commonwealth forces enlisted the help of the local population offering them very generous rewards for information leading to the capture of the gangsters or terrorists who were disturbing the peace. And those who handed them terrorist weapons received very generous cash payouts. And in this way, they basically privatized security, like I think the West was tamed by putting huge bounties, you know, wanted dead or alive with some kind of very generous uh, reward offered because you didn't have enough sheriffs and marshals to police the Wild West. And so by privatizing uh, law enforcement, it was able to um, enlist people who um, maybe were fast with a gun and were looking for a quick ca- a buck. And therefore, you can actually do quite a lot to defeat terrorism if you offer good cash payments, which is uh, a lot cheaper than the military alternatives. But when I look at it, I think we should be we should stop supporting those who are supporting terrorism. And I know that the American President Joe Biden has made the statement. America has Israel's back. Well, I think maybe they are feeling around for a soft spot to put the next dagger because while the U.S. has sent an aircraft carrier group into the eastern Mediterranean, and although America gives $3.8 billion of high-tech weaponry to Israel every year, Israel's enemies are also being funded by America. So President Biden released $6 billion to Iran, and Iran is the biggest supplier of weapons and training and aid to Hamas. Iran has already supplied $1.8 billion to Hamas, and Iranian advisors are helping to train Hamas fighters. And Iran gets a huge amount of its money from Red China. So Red China is purchasing one and a half million barrels of oil per day, per day from Iran. So Iran has received $80 billion dollars in revenue from oil sales, most of that from China. I think China is the best customer and uh, Iran is the source of most of China's oil. So China is funding Iran dramatically and apparently America is also funding Iran or at least President Biden has and they are funding Hamas. And then you've got American allies like Qatar supplying $20 million each month to Hamas. And then Turkey, which is an American ally and a NATO member, Turkey has generously supported Hamas as well so if America wants to have Israel's back, maybe it would help to stop funding those who are funding the terrorists who are attacking them. 
Oh, I totally agree. Uh, You're right on, Peter. I appreciate your insights. You've lived through some of this stuff, a lot of it, and you've even been captured by uh, cruel people and had to survive. Um, I'm shocked. I am totally shocked at um, the way the Biden administration has acted here. Um, on one hand, they said they're they're supporting uh, Israel, and as you've pointed out, we've we've supported Iran, which is one of the big big sponsors of terrorism over in that region of the world. You can't possibly support Iran, and then. Um, you, you touched upon energy just briefly in terms of the barrels of oil that Iran are producing. Um, I'm a big advocate of um, harvesting our own oil. We have so much black gold under our feet here in America. There is absolutely no reason not to harvest it except that some people like this so-called lie, this so-called Green New Deal. It's it's not a new deal. It's an old uh, ploy, and it's not green. But um, you know they 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 don't want to harvest our own oil. I think it's 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 terrible. Today we're talking with Dr. Peter Hammond. He's he's seen terrorism up close. He's talked with a couple of um, the main people, Marxists and Muslim terror groups, and uh, we're discussing Israel and their war with Hamas. Um, Some of the attacks that happened against Israel were horrific. Uh, It's not just like uh, lobbing a bomb and having some casualties. It's going in specifically, paragliding in. Uh, attacking people in their homes. And what's shocking to me is after all of that carnage, and there was a lot of carnage, um, you know, certainly Israel has a right to defend themselves, and I hope they thoroughly defend themselves, if you know what I mean. But um, the students in America at these universities, they are deranged. Uh, They're standing up for for Hamas. And, And to me, that's like, oh, wow. I don't have anything to do with these people. It is quite shocking enough. Um, having been brought up in Rhodesia where they were targeting us regularly with these terrorist attacks, and some people have said, you know, the world's never seen such terrorist attacks as what Hamas done. Well, sadly, we have Hamas going in and butchering 20 babies, including beheading a whole lot of babies. And why would they be targeting old women and ch- uh, children? Why would they be targeting civilians? But that's the whole goal of terrorism. And we've got to this day in South Africa, we've got radical, racist, black Marxist terrorists targeting white Afrikaans farmers and doing hideous things, scalding them um, oh. with boiling water, um, hanging the kids in a bathroom um, and uh, raping in front of the, the family members and murdering and disfiguring, crucifying little babies on the table. So oh. the, the fanatical brutality of some of these sadistic terrorists it's demonic these people are demon possessed without a shadow of a doubt yes yes and uh, it's this this comes from the pits of hell this is satanic um and unfortunately it's also terrorism's tactic they justify it because they see it as armed propaganda they see this as a very important way of provoking reaction they want to provoke uh, they want to intimidate yes they want to instill terror but they are trying to get media propaganda. So even when you've had a terrorist attack, which has failed, and a whole lot of the 
the terrorists have been murdered, uh, I mean, shot while they've been busy with their murders. And you say, well, wasn't that a waste of time? They say, no, we've got the whole world talking about Palestine. We've got our agenda in the newspapers. And so they yes. saw this as justified. So we have to understand, that's why General Pinochet said, you have to starve the terrorists of of all media coverage. Uh, ultimately, the goal is to just shut them out so that they don't get their viewpoints ever heard. Because if people commit terrorism in order to get media coverage, then you reward them with what they want when they get that coverage. The best thing you can do is make sure their agenda is not being um, put forward at all, and therefore they're getting no benefit for the terrorism. Otherwise, they'll just do more of it. Yeah, that's a good point. Today, our guest is Dr. Peter Hammond. He's familiar with terrorism, and he's lived through some of it. And um, I'm, I'm struck by another problem that we have here in America, and Peter, I think you can relate. Uh, we have an open border, and we have fighting-age men coming through that border regularly, thousands upon thousands. They are unvetted, and I am very concerned that some of these are terrorist cells. Is my, is my uh, concern warranted? It is. In fact, not just some of them. Many of them are terrorist cells. Many are drug dealers. Many are human traffickers. That's been documented. But uh, there are also amongst them hardened terrorists. And we know that amongst them would be Islamic terrorists, but some are also Chinese sleeper cells. So bear in mind, I think this is important to understand the whole background as to where this is coming from and where this is going. You know that CCP, the Communist Party of China, uh, the Chinese Communist Party has spoken pretty openly in their documents for quite some time now, and even recently, of the need to embroil America in a four-front war. One of those needs to be with a terrorist group. So America is already embroiled to some degree in the war in Ukraine against Russia, and that, that could escalate and get out of control very easily. Yep. America could easily get embroiled in a war with Iran and um, with Hamas as well, with a carrier group in the eastern um Mediterranean, oh, yeah. uh, and with several thousand American soldiers being mobilized to go to Israel at this moment, it's very likely that this could escalate very quickly. It's almost presenting a target that um, some terrorist group can hit. And, you know, you all know about the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which got America involved in the Vietnam War. It started with apparently a torpedo boat's attack on American warships in the Gulf of Tonkin. Nevertheless, whatever the truth of it is, we do know that that was the stated reason for America getting fully involved in the Vietnam War. Mm. So if you put a carrier group in the eastern Mediterranean while there's a war going on, the chance of one of those terrorist groups targeting American ships and therefore embroiling America into an escalating war is high. Now, China, we know, is very concerned to want to invade Taiwan, and that could get them involved in the war with America. So China said very publicly for a long time that it's their goal that before they get America involved in the war, they need to get America involved in four fronts. So they divided and distracted and cannot put their full energy in fighting China when it comes time to fight China. So there's a long-range view that Chinese Communist Party's got, and they speak about asymmetrical warfare and total warfare and using economic warfare, sabotage, terrorism, drugs, everything. You know that much of the drugs being smuggled to America right now are being smuggled, organized by the Chinese Communist Party intelligence. Yes, yes. Their, their intelligence is involved, just like you might have seen the book Red Cocaine some years ago, how the KGB and the Cuban secret police 
were running the cocaine smuggling into the United States of America. Now, this is a cheap way of weakening your enemy. If you can get the military-aged men and the actual soldiers uh, into drugs, you're weakening the fighting power of that target nation. Right. It's, it's an effective way of weakening your enemy. And so they put a lot of money into promoting the drugging of America, red cocaine. The Soviets believed in it and red China believes in it too. And this is not secret, this is open. The people in China tell us, the government has said openly over and over, we are at war with America. So America may not recognize it, but China really sees itself at war with America. And they see pandemics and economic warfare and stealing patents and um, infiltrating terrorists through a southern border, all as part of that general warfare. And embroiling America in other conflicts helps. Now, China is supporting Iran enormously. Billions and billions of dollars worth of support to Iran, and Iran is supporting Hamas. So you don't have to do much connecting the dots to see an immediate connection between Hamas and China. Because, yes, Iran is the main sponsor of Hamas, but Red China is the main sponsor and supporter of Iran, and Iran's economy in particular. So I think that should make everyone think very carefully, too. The other thing that needs to be brought to mind is people should remember that Iran used to be America's best ally in the Middle East under yeah, the Shah. Yeah. But Jimmy Carter and his foreign policy made it a high-priority goal to betray Iran into the hands of the Ayatollah Khomeini's revolutionary crazies. And we haven't seen the end of that story yet. No. Here we are. You got rid of Carter over 40 years ago, but the poor people of Iran are still stuck with the Ayatollah Khomeini-type reign. And I might add Rhodesia, the country I was brought up in, was a Western ally who fought alongside our American-British allies in the First and Second World War and the Malayan conflict and Korea. And Rhodesia was betrayed by its, as allies. As Ian Smith said, we were never beaten by our enemies. We were betrayed by our friends. Yes. And, and Rhodesia was a Western ally fighting communism, but was so betrayed, not just sanctioned. Um, we didn't get aid. We got sanctioned. We even got boycotted, we weren't allowed to take part in the Olympics or even the Paraplegics Olympics. And then Rhodesia was betrayed in the hands of uh, the communist red Chinese-backed ZANU-PF of Robert Mugabe, now Enoch Mangagwa. And these Marxist terrorists, who are friends, of course, with China and Iran, um, they are there because of Western policy. We need to recognize one reason why we've got so much terrorism in the world is because Western governments have had a policy of betraying our allies and aiding our enemies. Oh, that's a good point. And Zimbabwe and Iran are good examples. That I sat down for breakfast at Jumbo, the headquarters of United Freedom Fighters in Free Angola back in the 1980s. And Jonas Savimbi, the leader of the United Freedom Fighters, he made a couple of interesting jokes. He said, it is better to be America's enemy than America's friend. If you're America's enemy, you will probably be bought. But if you're America's friend, you will certainly be sold. Wow. And then asking the American guest I'd taken, and he said, do you know why there hasn't been a revolution in America in over 200 years? You don't have an American embassy in America. And <laughs> it's not much of a joke because the American embassy has been party to how many coup d'etats, revolutions, assassinations, and that includes Iran. There was a democratically elected government in Iran that was toppled in the 1950s by the CIA for no other reason than to help some oil companies um, have a better deal and less taxes with the Iranian government. And the British MI6 was involved with this. So it was both Britain and America under Eisenhower who organized the first 
coup d'etat in Iran and started a terrible um, destabilizing. And you wonder why the people in Iran don't trust America. Well, Syria also had all kinds of terrorist attacks back in the 50s, also organized by America and the British CIA, British MI6 and the American CIA worked together to destabilize Syria and to blame it on communists where they actually purchased and employed these people to launch undercover. So there's a lot of false flags done by um, British and American military secret service groups. And this kind of, if you do terrorist attacks, what you sow is what you reap. And I think the chickens are coming home to roost in so many different ways. It's well pointed out that the inspiration for and the example for so much of the terrorism we see in the world today, Marxist and Muslim, came from the British SAE or Special Operations Executive, which was launched by Winston Churchill to set Europe ablaze. And while Bill Donovan's OSS, um, which later became the CIA, which was launched for the particular purpose of doing terrorist actions behind enemy lines. And it's been well pointed out that the glamorizing of these uh, terrorists, these assassins and so on, really laid the foundation for what we're facing today. The British military historian John Keegan wrote, we must recognize that our response to the scourge of terrorism is compromised by what we did through SAE, Special Operations Executive in the Second World War. Yes. The justification that we had no other means of striking back at the enemy is exactly the argument used by the Red Brigades, the Bidermeinhof gang, the PFLP, the PLO, the IRA, and every other half-articulate terrorist organization in the world. SAE besieged Britain. And we could say the same about OSS under Wild Bill Donovan, who staffed every level of OSS with communists, known communists. Even his personal assistant, Duncan Lee, was a KGB or NKVD agent for the Soviet Union. And they deliberately ensured that weapons did not go to the nationalists or the or the royalists in Yugoslavia, they went to Tito's uh, Marxists and ensured uh. that the Marxist terrorists would gain Yugoslavia. They did the same in China. The aid did not go to the nationalists of Chiang Kai-shek. They went to the Marxists of uh, Mao Zedong. Yes. And time and again, we can see that these uh, special operations executives, CIA and MI6, have aided the enemies of, of civilization. And this is documented by the secret war written by Max Hastings, which is the definitive history of the secret war of guerrillas and ciphers and espionage in the Second World War, written from all sides, and showed that, in fact, uh, what um, was done by the West in lowering itself to such terrorist tactics as you know, assassinations and bombs yes. and all that sort of thing behind the lines, what we did was we lifted up also in the movies to give an idea to the people throughout Africa and Asia, this is acceptable, this is heroic. Yes. And what PLO and so on are doing today is in the same direction. So we must stop removing those who resist terrorism, we must stop glamorizing terrorism, stop using terrorism ourselves, and stop supporting those who are supporting terrorism. Amen. Our guest today is Dr. Peter Hammond, and we've got um, one or two minutes left, Peter. I just wanted to let you uh, give uh, um, an address. If, if somebody is listening today and wants to get one of your books, I'm thinking of young men who are trying to train themselves so they can stand up to whatever is coming next, you know, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Is there any book that you would recommend to those young men, and how would they get a hold of it? Yes, I've written Frontline, Behind Enemy Lines for Christ, which covers my 40 years, 
behind enemy lines where a lot of it includes uh, interactions with terrorists, co- conversations with terrorists and how we won some of these people to Christ and and brought about the freedom of whole countries like South Sudan's independence. So frontline behind enemy lines for Christ, I also wrote slavery, terrorism and Islam, the historical roots and contemporary threat, which really explains what's going on in the Middle East and helps one understand the mindset of the jihadists. I also wrote Security and Survival Handbook to help prepare individuals and churches and missions to harden their targets and be prepared to be able to survive terrorist attacks or to be able to resist it or even make oneself a less attractive target by hardening the target. So all of these are available from FrontlineMissionSA.org, FrontlineMissionSA.org. And you can email me, Peter, at Frontline.org.ca. Oh, that's beautiful. at Frontline.org.ca. Beautiful. Our guest today is our special friend from South Africa, Dr. Peter Hammond. Uh, He is the founder and director of Frontline Fellowship. He's seen a lot of action, and he's brought the gospel by God's grace to many, many people. Peter, I want to thank you very much, and uh, you agreed to join us here at the last minute in light of this um, breaking story since uh, October the 7th in Israel, and I want to thank you very much for shedding some light on the situation. It's a great pleasure. May God bless America, and may God bless and protect his people caught up in this horrible conflict in the Middle East. Amen. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.